You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So the plan for today's show, and I, I thought we had plenty of good stuff to talk about, you know, Matt Ryan introductory press conference in Indianapolis, Marcus Mariota to Atlanta, Baker Mayfield's options are basically down to the Seahawks and the Panthers, though there's rumors flying around that Cleveland would have to do like a Brock Osweiler type of trade to get rid of Baker Mayfield at this point, where they basically ship Baker in a, in a pick to just get him off the roster. But the NFL just refuses to slow down this offseason in a blockbuster deal. The Kansas City Chiefs shipped superstar wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins get Hill and give him a massive contract extension. It's basically a three-year deal, really a, a fourth-year option on that, worth a total of $120 million. But Tyreek Hill gets like $50 million guaranteed at signing. Makes him one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. And the Kansas City Chiefs get five picks in return, including the Dolphins' number 29 overall pick. So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. I thought it was going to be a nice, quiet Wednesday. Like I, I thought the biggest thing I was going to have to worry about on this afternoon was Jimmy Garoppolo getting dealt to Carolina or something like that. And then this thing just totally blew up in my face. And now Tyreek Hill is a Miami Dolphin. So your guys' initial reaction to this insane trade. Juju should back out of his contract. <laughs> Juju's stat line is going to look something like 88, 430, <laughs> and two. Like, ugh. That is, obviously, he's not going to be their best wide receiver because they're, they're probably going to use one of those picks. But I just couldn't imagine trading a player like Tyreek Hill. I would be as obnoxiously ignorant about whatever his demands were, give him what he wants, um, find a way to keep him in the building. Because if you think about what we've seen in the NFL, there aren't many Tyree kills out there. There are no Tyree kills out there. Um, what he can do is unlike anything else anybody else can do. And he's not like the most traditional wide receiver that you see, but um, his explosiveness is just second to none. And we talked about this a little bit before, Steve, where like just think of what Andy Reid and that offense does and think about how many times Tyreek bailed them out um, in some of like the biggest situations that the Bills game at the end of the game, uh, they're dead in the water. And because he can run faster than anybody on the field, the Chiefs are able to escape from that. And that was that's an extreme example because he scored a touchdown. But how many times does he take like a five yard throw and turn it into like not even 
8, 12, but 16, 20, 30. And consistently, it seems like Tyreek does that every game. So there's I don't know how you slice this or chalk it up to a Chiefs victory. Yeah, they got a lot of picks for Tyreek, but, I mean, we've seen <laughs> Brett Veach, the general manager, pick players that aren't named Tyreek Hill or Patrick Holmes and Patrick Mahomes, and it, it doesn't go well. So um, Chiefs fans, I don't, I, I don't know if it's too much of a prisoner of the moment to say that, that their Super Bowl window's closed, but it's, uh, it's getting there. Uh, they got Patrick Mahomes. You don't have to worry about their, their Super Bowl window closing, but there, there is no replacement for Tyreek, right? Like we could be pretty clear about that. Where what he does is rare enough. There, there is just not a substitute. So how do you reinvent yourself from this point forward? They're a team that you know we have talked about on, on this entire channel. Frankly, not even just just uh, this show. They're a team that looked great when they were on their opening script, and then it just all goes to hell when when they're off script. And Patrick Mahomes is no longer doing some of like the RPO like in structure stuff. Like with Tyreek gone now, a lot of that freelancing stuff is going to be hurt moving forward, right? Like being able to scramble around and Tyreek just teleports twenty five yards away from any defensive back that that's not happening anymore. So investing in these draft picks moving forward into kind of building a structure around Mahomes, I think, is is the way to do it. The problem is just, like, you're going to have to rein in Patrick to a certain extent to, to make this work moving forward, especially at the clip that he's going to get paid at, right? He's making, what, $50 million per year moving forward on a 10-year contract. This is shocking to me still, but the Kansas City Chiefs immediately after the season was over, like, named Tyreek Hill as – one of the contracts they were looking to get done. And then we kept seeing it get leaked over the last couple of weeks that Tyreek Hill extension in the works, in the works, it's going to free up all this cap space for the Kansas city chiefs. And that just never happened. Now that might have something to do with the Devonte Adams deal that happened last Thursday. It feels like it was a month ago at this point, but it was only a few days ago. And so after that number came down for Devontae Adams, I have to imagine that impacted what Tyreek Hill was asking for from the Kansas City Chiefs. And those contract negotiations reportedly broke off over the weekend. And that's when this trade really manifested and wound up becoming a real thing. I, I think where this really hurts the Chiefs and you know them being so honest about wanting to get that extension done with Hill early they were banking on being able to push some of that money to the future to free up cap space for this season. And I do think that they still wanted to kind of retool and be aggressive on the free agent market, but them not being able to get that done kind of closed the door on that. And then on top of the fact that we saw some of these veteran pass rushers just getting paid huge amounts of money. I don't think the chiefs were able to do some of that stuff. And part of that was because they couldn't free up this money from Tyreek Hill so it winds up blowing up. They wind up sending one of the most unique explosive weapons in NFL history to the Miami Dolphins. And today they're a worse team for it. I understand that they got five draft picks in return, but I don't see how you could argue that the Chiefs are still at the top of the AFC West when we've seen everything that those teams have done to improve and to be competitive in that division. I think there's a strong case to be made that they're the worst team in the AFC West, the way things are currently constructed today. Yeah, um, just 
that's what we should be talking about. Um, not the first, but if they're last. And just to Justin's point about raining Mahomes in, how many times did we see Pat roll, whether it's right or left, go against the grain, Tyreek catch it in space and turn that into explosive? Uh, that I don't want to say that was their offense, but uh, that was a lot of their offense last season. Um, now they're going to rely on Juju, uh, Miko Hartman, and whatever rookie they draft, because you have to assume that they're going to draft a rookie who they feel like will be able to help them right away. And, and an older version of Kelsey uh, get open in a reined in or like on schedule. Um, I feel like we can see teams be a lot more aggressive against the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would be a little bit worried about that. Uh, Justice, what are you about to say? Oh, I was going to say, I mean, the, the pick that they got is 29, right? There's no promise that a wide receiver is going to be there with that selection. True. Considering the fact, like, not only are a lot of these teams I, – I, I looked at it before, like, between 22, which is, you know, the Packers pick that they got from the Raiders, and 28, which is the original pick that the Packers own. Like, every team between that range is looking for a wide receiver, plus the Packers pick, you know, on the front and back end of that. So – if there are guys who are left, like a Jamison Williams has fallen in the draft for, for medical concerns or whatever reason, um, there, there's no promise that he makes it all the way to Kansas City. Like, he should not. So, like, if, if you're the Chiefs, you're picking at 29. I, I know we haven't really talked about, like, draft picks uh, necessarily, like, uh, prospects uh, on this pod very much. But, like, you, you're expecting, like, George Pickens from Georgia? Like that's probably your like best case. case scenario that is like assumed, I guess is the way to put it. And, you know, with the added picks, the chiefs now have 12 picks in the upcoming draft. So, I mean, they do have a little bit of ammunition to try to move up, but yeah, like you mentioned the Packers, I think that's where you got to go. Like you got to get ahead of the Packers. If there's a wide receiver on the board that you think can step in and be a day one producer, like can step in to that Tyreek Hill role and, it's going to be hard to replace that. Like to, to put it simply like you had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, who during their run here in Kansas city, were making, or were making the case. And I still think they are hall of fame caliber players with your hall of fame caliber quarterback. Now we'll see how this thing plays out for Tyreek Hill down in Miami, but it's going to be really, really hard to replace that kind of production. And the chiefs still have holes all over their roster. They don't have, uh, a top end corner. They let Charvarius Ward go. They're down to Legarius Sneed and Rashad Fenton is basically being their only corners on the roster right now. Uh, they don't have another pass rusher. They restructured Frank Clark's deal, uh, but it's Frank Clark and Chris Jones and a bunch of dudes on that defensive line. And now they need a number one wide receiver. So this Chiefs roster's got a lot of holes right now. They've got a lot of things they still need to improve. In a but division MBS where is on a visit, yes, <laughs> is on a visit. They released the news, so speed for speed, baby. Well, that's what I was going to say. In a division where everybody seems like they're adding stars, the Chiefs got like significantly slower and less athletic at some of the most critical positions. Man, that's it's a lot on Beach's plate to solve in one offseason. And again, they're, they're going to make Pat earn every penny of that contract, essentially, is what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think this. You know, I don't think the Chiefs are all of a sudden one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is incredible, and he's going to keep them competitive. And we've seen what Aaron Rodgers has done over the years when he didn't even necessarily have a Devontae Adams or somebody like that. Like, he always had playmakers, but he's always done a good job of making other guys better. And Patrick Mahomes is now stepping into a spot where, for the first time in his NFL career, he's going to be asked to do that a lot with guys who aren't just always open like Tyreek Hill is. So, 
We'll see how that plays out for the Kansas City Chiefs, but we got to get into the Dolphins side of this thing. They obviously I was make... about to say, like, what the hell is Tua going to do with Tyreek? Yeah, so that's where this is curious. Obviously, the Dolphins have really pushed all in this offseason. You know, last season they made some moves and, and tried to improve the roster a little bit, and now this is the offseason where they're saying, okay, we're going for it. We're going to know what we have in Tua after this season. If this thing does not work out, we got to get another quarterback. And based on everything that we know about Tua, and I know Tua Non is probably waiting in the wings to jump on anybody who's doubting him after this move. Oh, waiting. It's starting. <laughs> <laughs> their, you know, their offensive line, much better. Signed Teron Armstead, best left tackle on the open market. Uh, you know, they bring in Chase Edmonds and, and add to their running back depth. And now they have Jalen Waddle who looks like one of the most exciting young wide receivers in the NFL. And you add Tyreek Hill, all of a sudden, that's probably the fastest wide receiver duo in the NFL. But you've got a quarterback who doesn't throw the football downfield. So I'm curious how that's all going to play out. So, as you mentioned, Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle, who I, I feel like Jalen Waddle is going to be a star. Um, might not be this year, but eventually in the NFL, he will be a star. I think Raheem Mostert also makes them very good. Just, I guess, a lot more dangerous because, again, the speed aspect. There's no simulating the type of speed Tyreek Hill has, Jalen Waddle has, Raheem Mostert has. So their explosiveness should, should be a lot better. Um, going from Teron Armstead to Austin Jackson, that is what we call an upgrade um, in the NFL. Jackson just looked lost time after time again. And just even adding Connor Williams from the Cowboys. I mean, it's not, you know, he's not you know, a game wreck or anything, but just a body. And that's what they need. They didn't have any semblance of a running game last year. Um, but it also, it always comes back to like what teams are going to do with Tua. Like what is Mike McDaniel going to run the, the same RPO that the 49ers ran time and time again with just a backside slant? Because eventually knowing who their quarterbacks are, um, teams are going to like, why would you line up a safety further than 10 yards when your quarterback is to like when you're facing to So I think that's going to be the, the big challenge for Mike McDaniel um, just to see how he threatens every level of the, or every level of the defense. Because again, what have we seen from Tua to show that he can complete passes consistently outside the numbers? So um, I think one of the biggest talking points so far though, this morning just has been surrounding Tua and I, what I think we should talk about is like what what the Dolphins really want to do at quarterback because obviously Teddy Bridgewater is not the long term answer. And by bringing in Teddy, you would think that Tua is not the long term answer. So maybe they're looking down the road at you know Ohio State, CJ Shroud, uh, Bryce Young, whoever is in the draft to come. But um, this this seems like a big picture move, and they're just taking advantage of the rookie contracts that they have. So they're going to bring in a bunch of good players, which is never a bad thing, and then figure it out as they go, which I'm I'm cool with. The the thing with Miami's offensive roster construction, none of it seems super cohesive to me. And and that's not to say Chris Greer, what what a hell of a two days. But like you you landed the number one free agent on the market in Tarama Armstead, and then you landed Tyreek Hill, which I don't think like anyone even really realized was like on the market. Uh, so that that's not to take away from that, but people people make the Teron Armstead thing into like, hey, they found their Trent Williams, they're gonna run, you know. San Francisco scheme. I, I don't think San Francisco scheme necessarily fits to it super well. Like you got to kind of like be in the gun, do all the RPO stuff. Like I don't think him being under center is like a great situation for the team, but even then like the first signing 
the team made was signing a fullback, right? And then, and then they gave uh, what's the name Ingold a solid amount of money too, um, and and made him I believe at the time the second highest paid fullback in the league until uh, Patrick Ricard ended yeah. up signing uh, back with the Baltimore Ravens, so now he's top three or whatever. The, is there an offense where like Tyreek and Waddle fit? with Tua and there's a fullback on the field. Like all these things are like, it's hard for me to understand how all these pieces of the puzzle end up fitting together, especially considering the fact like KP, you've seen this offense firsthand with the San Francisco 49ers. I've seen a version of this offense firsthand with the Green Bay Packers. They like big wide receivers. Like there's not really room to have more than one smaller type of wide receiver with the way that they try to, block safeties with wideouts with the condensed formations all that stuff um yeah i think think it's important to tell people why they like big wide receivers and not just saying that's the reason why is because condensed formations creep up into safeties yeah you have to be able to go inside the box and cut off a linebacker cut off a safety that's ducking in so um that will be a challenge there's no doubt about it the the packers i know for reference the last two years right so like since lafleur has had you know Full full off season process, be able to kind of like say like who his guys are. They ninety percent of their snaps at wide receiver have come from guys who are like two ten or or bigger. And the only exception to that rule is Randall Cobb, and that's because you know general manager Aaron Rodgers handpicked <laughs> him to to play in Green Bay, and it didn't seem like he really wanted to play him anyway outside of like third downs. But it, it's it's hard for me to see how all of this stuff is cohesive like in isolation like yeah this is a great addition but we got to remember like when you're running if you're running the Tua offense we just saw him through throw a safety to Jalen Waddle last season right and one of the things the Kansas City Chiefs I guess one of the unique things about the Kansas City Chiefs is they lined up so wide with their wide receivers sometimes um, that they didn't necessarily have to block you know a hat on a hat in the run game because Tyreek was a guy, you know, catching bubble screens and stuff like that. Well, now if Waddle is also on the field, like, is Waddle going to block for Tyreek? Like, I, how, how does this, how does all this stuff work? I, I still really don't understand, especially considering oh. the fact, like, Gasecki, tight end, franchise tag, he's a glorified wide receiver. Like, he, he, him and, him and Kelsey are probably the two guys who, like, shouldn't even count as tight ends, like, in like on on positions like I, i'd be pretty mad if i were Gusecki and i got the tight end tag because i i would have been fighting doing the jimmy graham argument with the league saying hey i'm a whiteout i don't even line up there i would imagine we see more of these guys whether it's waddle whether it's hill probably both even um turn into like just always rpoing always bubbling always doing some kind of now but you route. can't rpo everyone like not you're gonna, someone's gonna have to block at some point <laughs> not disagreeing at all but In my mind, I'm trying to think of what McDaniel would do and like what they've done in the past where one guy would be like a Devontae Adams where he's running like that number three route nonstop and maybe that's an extension of their running game. And until they figure out exactly how they want to use both guys on the field, I could see that's what Mike McDaniel would at least start out with. I was going to say, it doesn't feel like they have the personnel for it at all because Jacecki isn't, is just a pass catcher. <laughs> he's, he's just not a blocking tight end. So I don't know. We'll see how this plays out for the Miami Dolphins. It feels a lot like whatever, just 
get as much talent on the football field right. as possible and, and hope with the new offensive minded head coach, we'll figure things out. And with a new revamped offensive line, we'll be able to protect Tua and that'll hopefully make him a better player. But Devontae we'll Parker, what does this mean? Uh, he's got to be come to Green Bay, out. baby. Yeah, he's got to be. I, that's a logical re- uh, landing spot, but yeah. Steve, do you have one? Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I think Green Bay, obviously, a, a super needy wide receiver team. Uh, maybe a team like the Saints or something. Like another guy, Michael Thomas, coming back. Cleveland too is an option and. Uh, there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams out there. So yeah, Devonte Parker could be a guy. I don't know how much he still has left on his deal or like if that's a reasonable contract at this point, I would assume that it's not that much based on his production and what, what he got from the Miami dolphins. So he's under contract for two more seasons uh, 29 this year. He'll be 30 next year. And if the, uh, if the dolphins were to trade him, uh, they would eat 5.4 million in dead money. They'd save 3.3 against the cap this season. And, They'd actually save more next season, where it's only two point seven million and six point three in cap savings by trading him before June one this year. So you would imagine they would try to get that worked out, whether it's you know in the near future, whether it's in a draft. But moving him would make sense, just again based on the, the roster construction. And you would think most teams could use a Devonte Parker, who's probably not going to be your wide receiver one, but he's a good complementary receiver, if anything. I am curious how this kind of led to Miami because it felt like, you know, Miami, they signed Teron Armstead. They have Devontae Parker. Like you feel like you're in pretty good shape heading in to next season. And then all of a sudden Tyree kill becomes available and it's like, okay, whatever, whatever we have to do whole 2022 draft, just give it up for Tyree kill and we'll figure it out later. Just feels like that's kind of how this thing happened over the last like 48 to 72 like, hours. I mean, it's it's year one of a rebuild for from at least McDaniel, his, his perspective, right? So I understand that. Greer is, I feel like, on a different timeline than, than McDaniel, even though – Fighting for know, his life. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that I think we were kind of surprised that, that he was able to keep his job. But, again, up until this point in the offseason, his biggest signing was a fullback, like genuinely – um into until the last you know 24 hours which have obviously been big for him so i don't know we'll, we'll see what it looks like moving forward i i just i i think this is a bigger move for kind of like the future of miami rather than just the 2022 dolphins i guess right. is, is the best way to put it so let's take a quick time out right here and when we come back i do want to kind of Break down the AFC, and obviously we've talked a ton about the AFC West and how unbelievably stacked it is, but the AFC in general is just stacked, and there's a lot of really good football teams headed into next season, and the Kansas City Chiefs might actually not be one of those when they've been the kings of the AFC over the last couple of years. So we'll get into that next on NFL University. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. We've talked a ton about this absolutely insane NFL offseason that really has started, uh, I guess, like three weeks ago. Is that when we got the Russell Wilson trade? Like, it seems like that was six months ago. Um, I I think that kind of kicked everything off, and then it's just been – Domino after domino after domino, just massive talent shifting all over the NFL. And it has made the AFC look like it is going to be just an absolute gauntlet to try to make it to a Super Bowl from that side of the conference. So I want to get into the AFC teams with you guys and kind of weigh like who's actually at the top of the AFC. Like who do we believe is the best team in the AFC right now? Because I think we can definitively say even the Kansas city chiefs with Patrick Mahomes are not the best team in that conference as of today. My answer before the start of the season last year was the bills and they disappointed me in the playoffs, lost me a lot of money, still bitter about that. Um, I'm not going to pivot off that. You have to imagine like Josh Allen, like we know this is Josh Allen now. Um, they did lose their all pro <laughs> Cole Beasley. Um, but I, I just think, I mean, they weren't really getting anything out of like, they weren't getting the, the type of production you would have thought the way people talked about him out of Cole Beasley. I think having a guy like, um, who is it? Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, I think his name is, using him and maybe Gabriel Davis, Jameson Crowder, who they signed, they'll be fine without Cole Beasley. And Vaughn Miller's a big one, getting him in the building. And just the way that they play. Hopefully, Tredavious White comes back healthy and 100%. Like, that's a big question mark. But if they can get him back, White back, at 100%, with the way that their safeties play, with a, a legit pass rusher like Vaughn Miller, adding Tim Settle might help. Um, there's just so much talent on that team. And assuming that Josh Allen continues, you know, on this trend where he's uh, apparently one of the best quarterbacks ever. Uh, I like the Bills. I like the Bills, too. Um just be the best in the AFC for talent. Like they have the best talent. I think they're well coached. I think they make the the fewest mistakes. And I think uh, to beat to beat Herbert, to beat Mahomes, to beat Russ, to beat all these guys, you have to have legit safety plan in the back end. And, and their safeties are two of the best and have been two of the best for a couple of years now. And, and I think that gives them the best chance to win. The Buffalo Bills are at the top of the odds right now for whatever that's worth. I'm looking at DraftKings right now. They're plus 350. Kansas City is still second somehow, uh, plus 500. Mm, I think a lot of – that's just – we believe in Mahomes, right? That's just Mahomes hero ball. Like, he will never be less than than second in in conference odds. Um, The Broncos somehow third, plus 750. And then the Chargers Browns plus uh, 900 tied at fourth. The Bengals fifth at plus one or six at plus one thousand. 
the one I buy into the least there is the Broncos, honestly, at plus seven fifty being third. Like I'm not I'm not sure the Broncos are they for sure better than the Chargers? I'm not sure about that. Like I, I understand Russell Wilson, it's it's nice to get that boost of having a quarterback, right? But I, I think there's still a lot more holes on that roster than people assume. Like the whole thing about the Broncos as a landing spot for one of these quarterbacks is it's a place where you can build and they have good, uh, cheap young guys on deals. Right. And that, that doesn't necessarily translate into being a contender immediately. So they lost Vaughn obviously, and they're relying on Chubb on the opposite side. So now they just have Chubb as their edge rusher. Um, Sertan is going to be a star. Simmons is good in the second. Like they have a legit secondary. Like Sertan's already a star. Like he clamps, clamps. Um, But going back to the offensive side, you're hoping the receivers just get healthy, I guess. Like Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy. Like is Jerry Judy even the the guy that we thought he would be? Because I don't think that's true. Like I think he leaves a lot to be desired when you watch him. I will Um, continue to cope. And, and make <laughs> for Jerry Judy consistently. Like I, I want him to be. Ha- I really want him to be. Yes, he needs to be good. I have too much investment <laughs> for your rep. Yes. Um. But yeah, like, is Russ going to be the guy that really elevates him? Like there, there's no doubt that Denver is going to be better with Russ under center than they were with the quarterbacks they sent out last year. But as you said, like there's still enough questions on that roster where I'm like, mm, I would, like I would take the chargers over them in that division alone, but that goes without speaking of, of the rest of the AFC too. And the Broncos did add Randy Gregory too, uh, on top of Bradley Chubb. Hmm. So that, that's, that's a strong pass rush. Assuming you get a healthy Bradley Chubb who's been banged up over the last few years. But I, I agree with you guys. I, I think that it is the Buffalo bills far and away right now. Like we saw how close that they got and, you know, I said that when the Chiefs beat the Bills in the divisional round, like the Chiefs were going to go to another Super Bowl because I thought they would easily beat the Cincinnati Bengals. I was wrong. I think if the Bills would have beaten the Chiefs in that game, I still think the Chiefs would have or the Bills would have beaten the Bengals. And then they add Von Miller, I feel like was the dimension that they were really missing um, because they had a deep defensive line last season and they had some youth and some talent on that defensive line, but they didn't have a guy who was like that legitimate star pass rusher. And I know Von Miller's aging, but we saw what he did in the playoffs for the Rams and they just need that like playoff closer pass rusher. And I think that Von Miller can be that for the bills. So I, I think they are without a doubt the best team in the AFC right now. I would pick the chargers over the Broncos though, just because of everything that they built and I know Russell Wilson is a fantastic football player, but I would still take Justin Herbert personally. And just the youth that they have bringing in JC Jackson and now Derwin James in that secondary. It's, I, I would probably, I think I would pick the Chargers pretty easily over the Broncos. But the Broncos are, like you were saying, like it's a lot of potential. It's a lot of potential that you're banking on Russell Wilson fixing all of those problems turning Cortland Sutton into a star. Like it's kind of similar to like the Demarius Thomas situation in Denver before they add Peyton Manning. Like it took Peyton Manning going to Denver for Demarius Thomas to finally become a star when everybody thought he could be that. And so Cortland Sutton's like kind of got that potential in my opinion. And then, yeah, I've got a lot of faith wrapped up in Jerry Judy. I I hope that he pans out and winds up being that playmaking wide receiver that I believe he can be, but we got to see it. 
Um, is outside of those, I, I think that is probably my top three. And then my fourth team in the AFC, uh, I'm kind of going back and forth here between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. Now we haven't really talked on this specific podcast uh, about the Deshaun Watson deal. Um, obviously we've talked about it a ton on the SB nation NFL show. I think there's a lot of morally incorrect things that went into that deal. But if Deshaun Watson plays for the Cleveland Browns next year, I expect them to be a really good football team. I think that that kind of hinders on whether or not the NFL does actually bring the hammer down on Deshaun Watson and and suspends him for like a seriously significant portion of the season is going to depend on how good the Cleveland Browns actually wind up being because you're talking about Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I guess the question is, how many games is Cleveland getting out of him? How many games can they skate by without him? Because when Watson does play, it's, there's no doubt that they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFL based on what we've seen, what what they were able to get out of Baker. Um, I was going to say, are, are the Raiders better than the Broncos? Is that going too far? I'm not ready to go there. Not okay. ready for it because just because of Derek Carr, and I, I think Russell Wilson's just so much better than Derek Carr. I don't buy it. Justice. I'm willing to say that they're similar. Like right. it, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously the AFC West is you know the most fun division in the, in all of sports right now. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm not willing to just anoint Denver right now. That that's my hesitation. It's not necessarily buying in the hype significantly of everyone else it's just like let's at least give this a year before we uh start start naming people like we haven't seen Hackett be a head coach ever like we have no idea if he's good at this or not is Justin Herbert still going to be running for his life next year like are we crowning that team they so that's the big thing right so you look at the Chargers right now they're big additions obviously the biggest room for improvement in my opinion was interior defensive line and they added Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, they obviously traded for Khalil Mack, so their edge isn't going to be, uh, you know, hurt by any means. Um, they added J.C. Jackson. They're going to get back Derwin James. This defense is going to get better, point blank, period. They had $70 million in cap space. They're using that 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 space. Mike Williams, you know, got, got re-signed off of uh, that franchise tag. The way that the roster shakes out right now, the way that they get better from this point forward is one, probably adding one more threat at a wide receiver and then fixing the right side of their offensive line. That That is how this team gets better moving forward. So I would anticipate in the draft, like they're, if they take a tackle, you know, in the first round, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And that's probably where they're going to get the best return on investment at this point, because Storm Morton was, was not it as, Someone who uh, is a big Storm Norton fan because, you know, he came from the XFL ranks. Uh, he probably shouldn't have been a, a, a starting right tackle in the league last year. Do you know how fortunate you have to be to get the type of rookie season they got from Slater? So to yeah. assume that you're going to be able to draft a rookie and get that type of production, and, and obviously they're not assuming that they're going to get like an all-pro level, pro Bowl level type of rookie performance from the, whoever they draft this year, but – that's a lot of hope um, for what their plan is. And, and I don't mean to like poo poo on them, but uh, they have to fix that because the last thing you want is for Herbert, who in like my comp for Herbert is Luka Dutch. Like he is that good. I think like whenever you watch him, it seems like he always does the right thing. 
for him to continue to do the right thing, you want to keep him upright. For that to happen, you're going to have to have just way better, way better offensive line play from them. And um, I guess you just don't want him to have to rely on Herbert to, to morph into like this Mahomes hero ball um, to have to do it time and time again. So, um, yeah, I, I understand why they went with the resources they did because their defense was atrocious up front last year. But, man, um, yeah, as you mentioned, that right side of the line, it just leaves a lot to be desired. But there's still guys out there. Like Billy Turner got released basically as a cap casualty. I know they said that he failed his physical, but those things are a whole lot more subjective than, than I think people realize. Like you can yes. kind of pass fail. You can, you can literally fail somebody for a physical. Yeah, you can do yeah. that. Um, so, you know, Billy Turner is out there. He played with the Green Bay Packers. He improved a lot during his time in Green Bay. Rodgers even came out and said like, probably midway through last season, like he was advocating for him being like a pro bowl type of, uh, he was advocating for him being voted into the pro bowl, I guess is the way to put it. And, you know, Turner's still out there. So I think a lot of these AFC teams, honestly, um, are still looking for right tackles, but one of them that makes sense is the chargers, right? Like he can come in and day one, there's going to be no question, like plug and play him at a right tackle. As long as he passes that physical, there's, there's nothing crazy showing up uh, on the medicals for him. That that would be a great fit, in my opinion. That's also another hole on the Chiefs roster right now is right tackle that I forgot about. <laughs> because they have so many holes on their roster right now. Um, well, and that's why I thought the Chargers would be a little bit more active on Lael Collins, who wind up, wound up signing with the mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bengals. And you know we know and have talked a ton about Joe Burrow's offensive line issues. I think obviously he's an immediate upgrade and he makes that offensive line better. I don't know if the Bengals have drastically improved so much. So uh, during free agency or anything like that, but the offensive line I think is significantly better. And that's really all you had to do. If you were Cincinnati, you were in a super bowl last year. I still don't know that I believe with this stacked as the AFC. Like, I don't think that Cincinnati is necessarily going to come out and, wind up being the number one seed in the AFC or anything like that. But with all, I mean, they weren't last year. People forget this. I I put out, I I, I do this joke thing where like the quarterback transaction happens and I post like quarterback tiers. Right. And I have like burrow like 10th at quarterback or something like that, which sounds terrible until you look at like Russell Wilson is like eighth. Right. And Bengals fans just in my mentions constantly. And they're like, I can't believe you don't think he's the second coming. Like, the, the the Bengals were they they got they won a bunch of close games up to the Super Bowl, and then they looked like they were outclassed in the actual Super Bowl game. Like they had a fun season, but I don't I don't think we're necessarily making them. They're they're not in the Mahomes range, right? Where we we just said like he's plus five hundred, second in the NFC or in the AFC, and is just off of the clout that comes with his name. Like I, I don't think we're at that point with the Bengals. They're in a real good spot to compete for the AFC North, but in the AFC overall, like everyone has firepower. Everyone. Let's talk playoffs, seven playoff teams for the AFC next year. Um, we can shoot like the bills. The bills are going to make it. Um, is there another lock in the AFC? Like lock, lock, where we can just hands down. Who knows who's going to win the AFC South? Um, it's not even a real division. Um, AFC North. Like you want to say the Browns, but again, we just don't know what's going to happen with Watson. Yeah, I mean, if Deshaun, the, the Ben Roethlisberger situation, right, was six games down to four. So if he's missing 
four games, you know, that, that could be a significant thing in terms of the divisional race. Yeah. If it's, yeah, if it winds up being four to six games, I think, you know, if you're just talking about their hopes of, of winning and being a playoff team, that's significant. Now, if it comes out and it's 10 games, uh, I think that completely changes the season for the Cleveland Browns, but it is the bills. And then I think again, my number two team that I think is definitively, definitively a playoff team is the chargers right now. Like I, I think that they are firmly in there. I think the Broncos are going to be in there. I think the Bengals are going to be in there. The Ravens are a team that I am curious. We have to talk. I'm so glad you said that. The Ravens went eight and nine last year with like 72 players on IR. Like Harbaugh can coach his butt off and he gets those guys to play. And even in some of the games that they lost, I think the Packers games, like they should have, they should have, they probably could have came away. um, Like Lamar wasn't even playing in some of those games. So. I, he didn't I play against think, the Packers. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, damn near could have won with him. I don't think it's safe to just ignore the Ravens here, man. And and I'm not advocating for them to be this, you know, number one, number two seed. But I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to count the Ravens out. I'll say that. The Tennessee Titans were the one seed in the AFC last year. God, that's so disgusting. <laughs> they are ninth in the AFC odds right now on DraftKings. And they added team, Robert Woods, though. They did. Uh, real off the top, the, the top seven AFC uh, teams. Hodgewise. Uh Buffalo, Kansas City, Denver, the Chargers, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis. And then guys that just missed the cut. It's so these are all guys that are, are teams that are between plus twelve hundred and plus uh twenty five hundred are Baltimore, Tennessee, New England, Miami, and the Raiders. I mean the Raiders have the fifth worst odds in, in the AFC, and That's it's not crazy. it's not like they're long shots either. It's just like Everything is tight. Everything. Because yeah. the, the last teams are Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, the Jets, and Houston. So, like, with everything that the Dolphins have done, then, none of us are confident that they're a playoff team. No shot. <laughs> no, again, no I, I, I think these moves is just acquiring talent. It's just acquiring talent, you're one of a rebuild. Acquiring talent, you're one of a rebuild. This is going to help them down the line a whole lot more than it's going to help them in 2022 and how how long until like Waddle and Tyreek start talking about like Tua or start Ooh. liking tweets about like put in put in Brissett? Do you guys remember during the uh, pre draft process where guys like uh, uh, Smith, right, um, who who went to Philadelphia, the wide receiver from Alabama? They asked him like, you know, Tua or Mac Jones, and he was like, "Dude, not even a question. Like, that's get real. Like, it's Mac Jones." So like before he could finish his sentence, honestly, too, like it was. They couldn't. None of those guys could stop hyping up Mac Jones. They were like, "I I love him. I am so much happier that that it's not Tua. It's Mac Jones throwing us the ball." So, I wouldn't be surprised if we start getting some in season frustration about Tua and stuff like that. So, again, they they have two deep ball wide receivers, and it's not really a guy who who's thrown a deep ball outside of. Can you think of a single deep ball Tua has completed well? Outside of that one big throw against the Baltimore Ravens last year, I was gonna say, oh man, that, it was TNF. Everyone too. saw it, yeah. and we were like, "Wow, where did that come from?" And then Next yeah. Gen Stats came out and was like, "Yeah, that was like the longest this is air yard throw <laughs> that two has thrown by like 15 yards." In this um, okay, so my teams: Bills, Broncos, Chargers, Browns. Colts just AFC South they're gonna win I feel I just by default 
Um, I'm going to go Ravens, and I don't know who the 17 would be. I just have no idea. I'm going You're to say – You're not putting in the Chiefs who have the I... second highest odds in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm what not, I'm saying. I... This is a loaded This is a loaded conference, man. It's going to be fun to watch the, uh, them battle it out all season. So we haven't really talked about the Colts much. Like, what, what does Matt Ryan really bring to the table at this point? I think that – I don't think that he's totally washed. He's not the same, you know, MVP caliber quarterback, but – there is something to be said for just like the mental aspect of what he brings to your team. And you know that at least with him, it's not like the Carson Wentz thing where you're like, this is one snap away from turning into a total train wreck. Like you can rely on Matt Ryan a little bit more than you can rely on Carson Wentz. And the Colts do have a lot of talent on their team as well. Um, For, I would say right around December, November, December, I legitimately felt like the Colts were the second best team in the AFC. Like I thought they were going to make a run. I fell for the Wentz trap, which shoot me in the head. But um, the difference when we're talking about what Matt Ryan brings is he's not going to do the same things Carson Wentz did. Like he's going to be able to keep them on track. He's not going to make those knuckleheaded throws where you're like, no, like when everybody sees it but Carson. I think that is going to be huge for Frank Wright because – Again, like I think so highly of him, and who knows what they're going to be able to get out of T.Y. Hilton this year. Um, hopefully, Michael Pittman, you know, just keeps evolving. The Paris Campbell thing, like that's probably not a real thing either. But like it's as a team, I feel like the Colts would would just be consistent enough on offense, and you just hope that you know they're the young pass rushers that they drafted last year continue to grow, and they're just sound. Like I feel like they're just so well coached. Um, that they'll be able to outlast the rest of their conference or the rest of their division and sneak into the playoffs. But um, the the difference between Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz, just as far as making the right play, knowing where to go with the football, hitting guys in stride, as opposed to Michael Pittman reaching behind his back and making a one-handed catch, like those things, are the, like those the, the small things about football, I feel like will be why we see the Colts in the playoffs. Yeah, I haven't seen Matt Ryan duck under pass rushers. Who have open shots <laughs> on him, like like uh, Carson Wentz did. I I think the Colts are the the leaders in the AFC South as it stands today. I just wasn't really impressed by what the Titans did. I always kind of thought they're a product of their record and just kind of like luck than than them actually being talented. I don't think that they were as good as they were in, in 2020. Um, I I want to take some time talk about Terry Fontenot, the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. How did you mess this up so bad? <laughs> you started this with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and what was it, the fourth overall pick? And now you have Kyle Pitts, a second, and a third? Mm. They ran that team into the ground. That is terrible. And I know we're talking Fairly about quickly too. Right now. It, dude. They they are what it's like sixty million dollars in in dead cap right now. Yeah. So you're going into this is a dead year, right? So it's going to have to be next season, year three of Arthur Smith, and you're starting the actual year one of the rebuild for the Atlanta Falcons. Like that franchise just got cratered, absolutely cratered. There should be like. A, a diagram or something of how not to manage a team because Atlanta, you know, made that Super Bowl, went all in, put themselves in a terrible cap situation, 
and then just blew it all up. And and at a year, like you mentioned, a year after bringing in a new coaching staff, and you're just giving those guys zero chance to be productive during their window there because this thing usually only lasts two or three years in the NFL, and they're going to be the worst team in football next year. Dude, so it today is, it is bad. They are it, is, is, Ter- is Terry a, a sleeper cell from the Saints? He came in from the Saints. He was the assistant general manager. There's there's something fishy going on here. He he was born at Lake Charles. He went to Lagrange High School. He graduated from from Tulane. He worked for the Saints. This smells like a New Orleans plant that that was put in the Falcons organization. Four point four million in team cap space in the hole. Um, they have sixty two million this year alone in dead money that they're paying to four different players. So they're not going to be able to add any Still talent. Julio, by the way. They're still yep. paying Julio. He's about to go on his second team since the Falcons. Giving Julio $15 million in dead money. Matt Ryan, $40 million, And they're also paying Dante Fowler, too, who is also on another Yikes. team. So um, things are going well for the Falcons. <laughs> we are probably – this is probably be the last time we ever talk about the Falcons. I mean, they're, long, at, long they're at a spot where, like, they should probably trade Grady Jarrett, who's one of the best three techs in football, just because they're going to have to pay him and, and – what's really the point? Like you're, we're stripping this down. It's not like we're going to compete anytime soon. So where are we paying late twenties, Grady Jarrett when we can get draft picks for him and help our rebuild moving forward? Yeah. He's in the final year of his contract. He's 29. If they were to trade Garrett before June 1st, uh, they would have 7.3 million in dead money, but they would save 16.5 million in cap savings, which they clearly need. So yeah, I imagine. Which like they might need to sign rookies. Yep, you need eight million at least. So. <laughs> yep. Good luck. Yeah, well, give give Grady a chance. Let's let him go contribute somewhere, please. He's a very good player. Yeah, it's absolutely stacked in the AFC. The Atlanta Falcons are a total dumpster fire. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're probably like the fifth or sixth best team in the AFC at this point, if I had to break it down today. Um, but they still have Patrick Mahomes. So I still think that they're a playoff team, despite the difficult division. I think there's a case to be made that all four teams in the AFC West could be playoff teams. There's three teams in the AFC North that could be playoff teams. And not all of those teams are going to make the playoffs. It's just absolutely stacked in the AFC. It's absolutely insane across the NFL. This offseason. Shouts to the Steelers, though. The Steelers just said, you know what? We're cool. We're going to try to see what Trubisky has. We're going to maybe draft a quarterback. Everyone posted the the photos of uh, Colbert and and Mike Tomlin hyped up at Malik Willis' pro day. They're just like, look, we're going to take it easy. We're going to try to figure out the quarterback position. What we're not going to do is try to fight our way to the top of the AFC with this roster right now especially a quarterback and offensive they, they know. <laughs> they know. They know. <laughs> like, look, we got TJ Watt for a couple more years. Minka Fitzpatrick <laughs> is, is still young. Like, it, our window is not now. It's coming in the future. Just lay low and pray. Don't bring it too much attention to yourself. It's At this point, that might be what the Chiefs are doing. It seems like it's a good strategy while everybody in the AFC West just beats up on each other over the next couple of years. The Steelers certainly seem to be doing that, but been a long nfl offseason we still got plenty of stuff to talk about moving forward the nfl draft still coming up 
Still plenty of other stuff, I'm sure, coming across the league, across free agency, whatever. So make sure you stay locked in right here on the SB Nation NFL show. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on Apple and Spotify. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. Follow Justice at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week. 